welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, Bill Bavese's biggest fanboy, Bo Chisholm. Bo, how's Jack Z's son doing today? My God. Um, <laughs> I'm... Uh... <clears throat> Excluding all that introduction stuff now, I had it was having a great day up until then. But no, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh have the day off here in the greater Seattle area. Um we've had some relatively nicer days, a little bit a little bit of less rain, but uh no, things are going super well here. How is uh how's life in Idaho? Uh you know what? It's sunny today. Um the last few days it's either been raining, snowing, or um just very poor weather. So, uh, that's, that's a plus. Um, yeah, things are starting to melt a little bit, but you know, this is only like false spring. So, uh, second winter should be coming in the next week or two. And, uh, I don't know if I'm really ready for that. Hopefully I'll be over in Seattle. Um, you know, by the time second winter comes, you know, so at least I'm not here for the start of it. So, um, yeah, that's good to me. Yep. Yeah. Before we get into anything, I want to thank everyone again for taking time to come back and listen to us on our podcast. Um, For our returning listeners, welcome back. For our first-time listeners, thank you for choosing Forks Down. Hopefully your new home for Mariners Baseball Talk. Um, Blo and I have a lot of fun doing this, and, uh, you know, we definitely would like people to join the conversation. So, you know, find us on Facebook, Instagram, search Forks Down Podcast. You know, let's have some conversations about it. You know, you want to go against the grain and not agree with what we're saying? We're here for it. We like a good debate. Um, you know, I usually ask questions on the Spotify, on Spotify specifically um, about our our um, podcast. You know, if you want to answer there, you can, or hit the hit the uh, social medias, whatever you want to do there. Um, but yeah, you can also hit like or subscribe on your podcast listening app. Uh, that'll notify you. When we get new episodes um, that drop, we drop about Tuesdays, uh, usually around four. That's what I've been trying to make it consistent. Um, so, yeah, hit us up. And, you know, again, thank you for taking time and listening to us because we have a lot of fun doing this. So, Bo, um, not too many transactions to talk about this week. Um, I think the one big one is not a Mariners one. Uh, are are we seeing the end of the Carlos Correa saga? Like, is is there an end in sight? Is this is this the last stop for him? Yep, I think this is the last stop for Carlos in a couple different ways. Um, yeah, he's going to the Twins, and by all accounts, the physical has been passed, and the saga has come to an end, anyways. Um. And I think it does end up affecting the Mariners. So I think it's important to note on it now, just that um, he's going to be with the twins twins. um, I think we ranked them. I think we both ranked them behind the white Sox and the the guardians in some capacity in some order. I think we were very close, if not spot on with both of our predictions. So. Right. So I think that it's now, they're getting more interesting, um, you know, going off your, the projection systems right now. Uh, the twins jumped up 
a couple spots in there, at least in the AL, according to kind of what depth Travis on fan graphs has right now. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's good for the twins. It kind of gives them a little more consistency and a little bit more, um, I don't know, another big bat that they can add there. Um, cause I think it's, we've, we've mentioned that the twins are just a team that like, we just don't know what they're doing and maybe this makes it a little bit more clear. Um, mm-hmm. but that team still feels like it needs, it needs pitching help. It needs some capacity. Yeah. Like it needs more. It just needs more on that front. And Carlos Correa is a good ad. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, I still have, I would say, if anything, I think they're closer to the White Sox now. Um, I think they are kind of pushing that limit. I think the Guardians are still the top in the division, but oh, I yeah. think they are. I think the, the the bridge between the White Sox and the Twins is getting pretty short at this point. And um, yeah, we'll see where Carlos, how Carlos plays. And I think the other question is just how long he's going to be able to do it for. So I don't know how we're, I mean, his bamboo ankle, um, right? How long do you think uh, that's going to last for at this point? Well, I, I kind of agree with what you said before we started the podcast three or four years, maybe I, I don't know. It's just wild that he's still got a deal. Um, granted, it's not the big mega deal that he had agreed with on, with the giants and the, and the Mets, but um, you know, I, I still think he's only got a couple more years. I mean, I know he's young, but you know, athletes they they age a little bit different than us uh us common folk you know 30 30 years old is pretty old for a a baseball player even more so for a football player but you know baseball 30 years old you're you're getting up there um so i don't know i i don't know if they're getting closer twins as a whole as a wild card contender uh like you said the, the guardians are the top dogs right now they've got a young team Great pitching, great hitting, great defense. Um, and I, I do agree with your assessment that they're closer to the White Sox, but I don't know how much closer. That pitching pitching staff needs a lot of work. And, I mean, sure, you've got Buxton, but can you really bank on Buxton being there, uh, you know, over under 100 games? You know, that's, uh, that's, that's a really tough call. Buxton stays healthy? Absolutely. Or wild card contenders, but uh, Correa does not move that needle if Buxton gets hurt, as we saw last year. So, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I just don't know how long it's going to last for him. And yeah. um, I mean, they might be. I mean, I wouldn't. In all likelihood, he's still relatively young. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got uh, at least a couple more years there, but um, it's kind of a black box because I, I, I'm trying to think he he mentioned that he kind of felt a pop or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're, we're kind of all just sitting wondering um, you know, how long it's going to last for. And I think that's obviously the question that the Mets and the Giants asked themselves, too. So um, I credit the twins for swooping in there. And I think signing if they can get three to four years out of him, it probably pays off. Um, but we'll see if they get that many. Uh, another couple news pieces before we move on to Mariners notes. Um, Mariners legend, Luke Weaver signs with the Reds. Um, the Pirates signed Andrew McCutcheon and, uh, our boy Nelly Cruz ended up with the Padres, which is, I think something you predicted or at least mentioned 
in the last couple episodes was you thought Nelly Cruz would uh would potentially end up with San Diego. So I think that's a good call on your part. Yeah, I mean Nelly Cruz, um he might be um championship chasing at some point. Um mm-hmm. kind of this year. Um and uh <clears throat> the Padres have very favorable production projections right now. Um they uh <clears throat> given the Dodgers kind of taking a little bit of a step back, it possibly looks that the Padres might be the best team in the division. I don't know. We didn't really do an NL rankings, but um the Padres are uh Padres made the NLCS last year, got a super solid rotation, coupled with um, you know, two of the best players in baseball, um, Tatis and Soto. So um We'll uh we'll kind of see how that team shakes out. Um, but excited for Nelly. Um, mm-hmm. hopefully he can kind of kind of get a good run there this year. And um, I don't know where he'll bat in the order, but I think he has a good chance to help that team in some capacity. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right, that that's kind of it for MLB transactions. Uh, we do have quite a few Mariners notes this week, though. Um, couple minor league deals. Um, I want to start with this though, Bo. Um. Felix Hernandez, our our boy, the guy we grew up watching, uh, finally takes his rightful place in the Mariners Hall of Fame. I think that means two things. One of which being, I think he's done with baseball. Um, but the other being, I think he's taking his well-deserved place and, and, I just I gotta know. Are you gonna be at the game when when he goes in? Um, so this is a note to anybody that wants to go to the game. Um, I've been looking at tickets to go to there, and they're almost already gone. So, yep. Yep. Um, which is a which is a huge um, credit to Felix, and a huge I think just kind of pinpoints just his impact that he's had over the last couple of years. So, might be going to the game, might not be. Um, uh, I'm kind of indifferent, indifferent. I want to go to it. I went to Felix's last game in Safeco Field at T-Mobile Park, so I uh, I feel like that's my Felix moment, right? Um, so maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. Maybe we'll get you up here and we'll go, right? Um, and we'll get some car- crab fries and some uh some mac and jacks, but who knows? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's very exciting. It's uh, it's a very testament to how fast tickets are going for that. That. Um, the city of Seattle really appreciates everything that Felix did. And, um, I mean, Felix was our guy, right? He was, um, he was with us when we weren't good. He was our best player for a long time. He was, um, and he chose us. He wanted to stay here and kind of help this team win. So it's, um, it's, uh, very excited to see him go in. Um, and yes, he was, he was the guy that kind of kept us going for a while. He was the player. Then somebody asked who is even on the Mariners. He would say Felix Hernandez and, um, uh, no, absolutely love the guy. And, um, I'm excited to see him go into the Mariners hall of fame. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll get up there for the Felix game. I don't know yet. Um, uh, I definitely like the, uh, the crab fries and the Mac and Jacks. Like that's, that's definitely something I'd be in for, but, um, yeah, long overdue for Felix, and uh, you know, I I am excited to see the guy that was kind of the the Mariners for for us growing up. Um, so, um, 
Outside of the Felix news, a uh, couple minor league deals. Colin Moran, uh, former Pirate, got signed to a minor league deal. And then the Mariners signed, again, Mike Ford to a minor league deal. Um, I really feel like Mike Ford is challenging Jacob Nottingham on how many times he can get signed by the Mariners and end up in a Mariners uniform. But uh, what do you think of these deals, Bo? I mean, a couple solid, you know, quad A players probably. Yeah, and uh, Jerry was talking about he wants he's you know they're kind of filling up the I don't want to say the queue, but they're kind of filling up the the roster invites for spring training and they're getting up for that. And, um, I think these are just kind of all part of that. Um, Colin Moran's somewhat interesting. He, uh, he's a former first round pick in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, he never has really kind of got it going, I would say in the majors. Um, but he's had, he actually had had a relatively good COVID season. Um, and you know, a couple other, off spots here once in a while. Um, but I think it's more just depth than anything else. So, um, and some of these guys, uh, they might, they might, they very well might not get cut if they either don't make the team or, um, you know, have some sort of opt out of spring training. So that's all, that's all likelihood. But, uh, um, it makes me a little interested that, um, Mike Ford plays first base. Um, it's first baseman. Mike Ford also played for four different teams last year, which is kind of a kind of an interesting um what he interesting went, stat. Point. He went Mariners, Giants. What were the other two? He played for the Mariners, he played for the Giants, he played for Atlanta, and unfortunately he played for the Angels. He did play for the Angels? He did play for the Angels. He played twenty twenty he played twenty eight games for the Angels last year. So Oh wow. There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're both, I would say first base types, Colin Moran in a former life. I mean, 2018, 2019 played some third base. Um, so it's a little interesting that they're kind of stocking up on, I think some first base depth. Um, I don't know what that means on the Thai France side, if they're just kind of, um, you know, covering their bases or just, um, making sure that they have that depth if there's more to Thai France's injury than, before so who knows um but uh yeah i don't know who's gonna make the team um we'll see what happens in spring training but uh it's at least nice to have some depth and maybe they're just kind of maybe worried in some capacity of what happened last year when they had to go out and make a trade to get carlos santana because ty france got hurt so maybe they're just trying to prevent that this time around i don't know what do you think about that i think that's certainly possible um you know one of the other notes we had was He's trying to add another bat if possible, but, you know, roster moves are winding down. So this certainly could be, you know, something where they're like, they're adding these guys just in case something else doesn't come up, you know, whether it be, you know, we we know Jerry likes to do the trades, maybe not on the trade market or, you know, they just don't like how the other free agents look. Um, So a couple solid, solid deals, you know, a couple, you know, taking flyers on, on Moran and Ford. And honestly, if they don't pan out, they either end up in AAA or they get cut and they move on and we thank them for their time. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see you, you brought up Ty France. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, what, what his, not his deal, but, um, I feel like there's something more to Ty France than, you know, we probably see, you know, he's, he's been injured a little bit towards the 
into the season last year, and maybe he's still got some nagging stuff. I, I know we're in off season, but you know, sometimes injuries take a little bit more than the off season to to you know pan out. You know, sometimes it it takes a month or two into the season to to get those kinks worked out. So, all in all, I mean, good signings. We'll see what happens. So. Um, well, let's, uh, I mean, we can also touch base. Um, you know, we talked about Ty France. Um, I think it's worth noting just, we are in the process of arbitration talks and contracts for this next year. Um, Ty France, Paul Seawald and Tom Murphy all avoided arbitration, um, with the, with the Mariners. So, um, yeah, one point six five million dollar for deal for Tom Murphy, four point one for Paul Seawald, and four point one for Ty France. Um, so they actually don't have to go to arbitration because they agreed pr- prior to that. Um, but I think of note, Teoscar Hernandez, Diego Castillo, Dylan Moore did not reach an agreement on a salary for this in the coming season. So they are going to go to arbitration, and they do have some time before they can. They have some time that they can work out some sort of agreement before that for actually going to arbitration. But, um. It's a little interesting. I don't think we should read too much into this. Um, just my, maybe, maybe my perspective, maybe you want to leave, maybe you have a different, differing thought there. But like, if I go down the arbitration tractor tracker on MLB trade rumors, um, there's a couple teams that they have some players where they didn't reach an agreement. Um, but for the most part, teams, you know, primarily reach agreements with the, with their players. Um, I think the Rays are a notable exception this year. Um, the Mariners didn't have three. The Angels didn't have three. But everybody else kind of seems like they're reaching agreements. So what do you what do you make of that? Is is there anything to draw from that at all? Or what do you think? Uh, in T. Oscar's case, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think it's hard because, we you know, we just got him. And, you know, we're going to arbitration. He's worth, what did you say? He he's projected fourteen mil. Is that what you you found on projections? Yeah, his projection was fourteen point one million, um, somewhere in there. So I think you could say his values somewhere between thirteen and fifteen million dollars. Right, that's probably where the the range I would assume is. And maybe he's maybe he thinks he's worth more than that. Um, and yeah. uh, to his credit, obviously he does. Um, and the Mariners maybe think a little bit less, but I think the I think the the values of whether they're going to be just at part here are just somewhat minimal. And yeah. if it was, if it really, if the Mariners really thought that it was going to affect um, extension talks down the road or something, I'm sure they would just, you know, kind of give him what he wants essentially. But yeah, um, it is a little curious to me, um, but uh, I don't, I don't guess I'm not reading in too much into it, but yeah, I, I, um, I'm not reading too much into it. I, I'm more interested to see what happens with Dylan Moore and Diego Castillo. Hey, Oscar, you know, I, I feel like wherever this goes, it's going to probably lead to extension talks if they're not already having it. So, um, you know, I I don't want to feel like we're on the Titanic and the boat sinking already in that deal. But I'm kind of interested to see what Dylan Moore and Diego Castillo get. Um, you can argue that they've been a couple, uh, you know, just below key pieces. You know, Dylan Moore plays a lot of uh, different positions, and uh, I don't know has had some clutch hits. Maybe not 
so much last year, but the year before. Um, and then Diego uh, kind of comes in and, and throws gas. Um, but I, I don't know what they expect out of arbitration. I mean, um, I, is I don't think Dylan Moore's projected to start. Maybe a platoon situation, and Diego's kind of on the decline. So I wonder if they win their arbitration suits or not. Um, you know, because uh, arbitration basically it goes to a uh, the arbiter and they uh, decide. Oh, you're worth that kind of money, or you're not. So kind of I'm kind of interested to see what they they rule in those two cases. Not so much t- for T Oscar because I think T Oscar's probably worth what he's projected, but Dylan Moore and Diego is kind of kind of up in the air. I want to see what they're valued at. Yeah, I mean they're I mean going off the Fangraphs projections, you know Dylan's right around two million, Diego's right around three million, and they actually have T Oscar right around fourteen million, which is what the Mariners offered. Yeah, um, I actually found so T Oscar did ask for sixteen million. Um, Diego Castillo asked for 3.2 million and then Dylan Moore asked for 2.25 million. Um, so I would say there's, you know, some minor differences between Diego and Dylan Moore. And I think the ultimate likely scenario is if they do go to arbitration, they'll end up somewhere in the middle. But, mm-hmm. um, I think it's worth noting that I think the situation happened with Jesse Winker last year mm-hmm. where we weren't able to come to an agreement on the first time around. And then we ended up working something out with him. Um, yeah. before arbitration. So all likelihood in this, all possible. Um, I don't think it really affects any extension talks with Teoscar or anything like that, kind of like you were mentioning there. So, um, yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> outside of arbitration, um, you know, I, I think this is a big deal for Mariners fans because the last two uh, key pieces we have got, you know, being Julio and then uh, new Mariners Hall of Famer Felix, uh, the international signing period. Um, Bo, I know there's there's at least one, maybe two uh, prospects here that that you know not just we like, but kind of everyone else likes. Can you what can you tell me about? Uh, I can't even say his name. Felon Kisselin. Felin Kesselin? How, how do you say it? Felin Celestine. Felin Fel- Celestine. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, so Felin Celestine, and uh, trying to evaluate, evaluating um, international prospects is pretty difficult task because um, you, know, you sign these kids when they're like 16 or 17 years old and oh. um, you're just kind of uh, hoping for the best on some of them. Um, but, uh, I think there's such a high, um, such a high variance with these that they're like the ceiling on some of these guys is incredibly high and Felon and Celestine is one of those. Um, and if you go out the prospect rankings, international rankings for MLB.com, Felon and Celestine is number two baseball. America had him, uh, number three. Um, and, uh, I think it's kind of worth noting. I'll just kind of draw directly from baseball America here, but, um, uh, his tools have kind of just gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. He's gotten taller. He's gotten stronger. Um, he still has some good plus raw power and some, you know, I think some physical projection that he has as well. Um, but he also has 
projectability as like a regular sh- everyday shortstop, which is not, um, which is difficult to find, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the one thing is it seems like he is pretty aggressive at the plate right now, which is something that I think you should expect from like a 17 year old that he, you know, wants to swing about and try to you know put the ball at the ballpark. So mm-hmm. I'm not super surprised by that. Um, but, uh, he's exciting. He, he bats, he's bats, he's a switch hitter. He can potentially play shortstop long-term. Um, and he's just a very exciting shortstop to kind of come out of this international class. Um, I think picking, um, picking international prospects is a somewhat of a tall task. Um, Mm -hmm. last year, the Mariners signed Laz Montes, Laz Montes, um, according to MLB.com was like eighth overall. Um, and we've heard some about Laz Montes, but haven't heard a lot. Um, I think it's worth noting in 2017 that, um, Julio Rodriguez was all the way down on 10th on the list. Um, uh, and I think it's also worth noting that it's very difficult to project felon Celestine right now. Cause it might not be, it's going to be like five or six years, maybe before we see him, if it all yeah. goes well. Yeah. Um, but he's, uh, he's super exciting. He's somebody that I think can stick it short, long-term bat switch. And, um, I think if he kind of works on more of his plate discipline side, um, it sounds like he's got the frame to kind of fill out some power there. Um, and I'll, we can kind of touch base on more of the baseball America side and the other prospect talk there, but, um, we can kind of go up and down the list, but, uh, you know, suspicion, de Andrade, Kevin, Alcant- Kevin Alcantara, Delphi Car- Carrasco, Kendall Meza, Rudy Navarro, Kay Robles. And then, um, the last one that probably makes sense to touch on is Jeter Martinez. Um, mm-hmm. he's already six, three, um, he's already six, three, which he's a pitcher, I should say, mm-hmm. um, coming from Mexico, um, they say he has a pretty good projectability. Um, says his fastball is already hovering around the nineties and, uh, <clears throat> he's only 16 years old. So, um, imagine if you had a 90 mile per hour fastball when you were 16, you would be, you know, playing, you wouldn't be talking about baseball. You'd be playing baseball, Ricky. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, he's, absolutely. uh, he's a pretty exciting, um, it's just, uh, I think it's difficult in the immediate, you know, current term to like, get excited about a 16 year old unless he's like a top tier guy but um it sounds like he's got a good fastball um working on his change up a couple other pitches so somebody to keep an eye on um i think it'll be be interesting to see where they if where they play this year if they go to the dsl um some of them just kind of hang out stateside and work on their pitches and everything else with the teams for a year before they do that but um yeah it's exciting to see kind of the international market being used um as a, I think as a weapon for the Mariners, I think the Mariners have had luck signing some um, top guys, obviously with uh, Julio being the the main example there. Um, but uh, with all these guys, they're super high variance. Um, you know, in the Julio class, like I said, Julio was ranked 10th and there's a whole bunch of guys ahead of him that you've probably never heard of. So Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of variance with these guys. Some of them are 16, 17 and, you know, can just kind of phase out after a couple of years. But, uh, um, uh, and Celestine seems like a good pick to try to, you know, continue that, um, you know, top Mariner pick in the international side and maybe we get something out of them in a couple of years. So, um, I really like it. Um, and I think if I'm slotting him in, um, you know, baseball America also dropped their, their top prospects list today. Um, 
they have Harry Ford, Coy Young, Bryce Miller, Gabriel Gonzalez, and then Emerson Hancock mm-hmm. as their top five. <clears throat> I'm probably going to drop Felon and Celestine probably in that top five range. That's probably mm-hmm. where I would put him right now. Um, and you know, the sky's the limit for him. So, um, I think, uh, I think it's pretty exciting. Another kind of storyline, another thing to watch this season. If, um, you know, he is in the DSL to see how he performs. He, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we're well on our way to retooling our farm system with this too. We sign him, sign Gina Martinez, who has a lot of upside, but then we have three draft picks coming next season. Um, I could certainly see us retooling and maybe having a little more trade bait for something if we need to uh, get a deal done, you know, at the all-star break or maybe next season. Um, so I, I like the signing a lot. Um, you know, all the signings we did. Um, I, w- I was kind of looking at a list while you were talking there of uh, famous all-time international signings um, because you have a chance to get some really good players, um, you know, and some of the notable ones I'm looking at, the best international signing for every club. This is via MLB.com. Blue Jays, Carlos Delgado. Uh, the the big one here, the Yankees. They signed Mariano Rivera in 1990 via international signing. Um, Jose Ramirez, you know, signed in 2009 with the, the Guardians. Uh, Salvador Perez with the Royals. Uh, you know, this is as far back as, you know, 54. The White Sox signed Luis Aparicio out of Venezuela. So, I mean, there is a chance that we're getting some, you know, some players that can very much make an impact for this club. Um, the, the one quiz question I have for you here, Bo, is on this list, the Mariners, uh, it's one for each team. Who do you think the Mariners' top international signing is? Via this list, it's probably a couple years old. And I will I will tell you it's not Julio. Who do you think the Mariners' top international signing of all time? In terms of like, in terms of like contract size or war or what's the what's the stipulation? I, you know, the more I look at this, the more I just think it's probably impact on the team. You know, impact on the team because we've had some very time. very good international signings. I will say that. Um. I mean, Felix Hernandez is the guy that I'm thinking of from Venezuela. Yeah. Great pick. He is not their pick. Oh. Um, hmm. I am. I'm not sure. Who do you got for me? Edgar Martinez. Oh. I, 1982, Fair. Puerto Rico. The other one they have here that they mention is Ichiro. Would you consider Ichiro an international signing? I mean, I technically, yeah. I mean, they, you know, they classify Singa and Yoshida as international sightings. So, yes, I would technically put that in there. Yep. Okay. Okay. But yeah. But no, um, it's, um, and I was going to say, it's a fun exercise. I like that you're going in the past. I was going back to the 2015 list. Yeah. And um, I was looking at the Mariners there. The Mariners' biggest signing that year was a player by the name of Carlos Vargas. Um, mm. Didn't, so didn't amount to where, really anything. You can in tell me where Carlos Vargas went to. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, listen to this class, right? It's so a 2015 had Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Okay. It had Juan Soto. 
And it had Fernando Tatis in the 2015 class. Um, wow. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was ranked number four. Okay. Um, and number one in the class was a player by the name of Lucius Fox. So there you is go. It, um, is he in the giant system? Lucius Fox was in the giant system. Um, I believe Lucius Fox came to uh, came to fame because he was the guy that I think threw up twice on the field this last season for the Nationals. Um, <laughs> so I mean, he made a he he, he got a six million dollar bonus and he was ranked above all the all those guys, right? So it just kind of gives you a little bit of the volatility and variance side when it comes to these prospects. But no, I was looking at this list. Here's a super interesting thing. So I was on the Baseball America. Uh, tied for 31st place was Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay. And a current Seattle Mariner. He did not sign with the Mariners, but he is a current Seattle Mariner, and he was tied for 31st on this list with Fernando Tatis Jr. Do you do you have a guess of who it is? Teoscar? No, it's not Teoscar. Wow. Uh, okay, it was... Uh... It is a pitcher. Hmm... You got me stumped. Andres Menunos. Andres Menunos from Mexico was tied with 31st place on this list with Fernando Tatis Jr. So Andres Menunos. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting to see where everybody plays out. So uh, that's, that's a go to say like those guys we just ran through Kevin Alcantara, um, Duffy Carrasco, Kendall Meza. um, You know, there's, there's nothing stopping from any of these guys from, you know, breaking through. I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the thing to glean from all this is that any one of these guys can really kind of that lottery ticket. We could really hit hard on any one of these guys. So um, they, they can either be an Edgar or they can be a Carlos Vargas. That's a great way to put it. Great, so, great way to put it. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm excited to see where this, this class ends up in particular. Um, I did see, you know, looking at the international signings, was it the Padres that got the number one? Raked international player. It was a catcher, Ethan Salas. Yes, Ethan, Ethan Salas. Yes, yeah. Ethan Salas. Yep. yep. So I, I guess the rich are just getting richer down there in San Diego. So, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And um, I know the Padres. Um, you know, bonus pool money and how it's spent and the international side is all based upon your revenue and your market size. And you can think of it. The smaller teams get a bigger bonus. Um, mm-hmm. And the, technically the Padres are in a little bit of a smaller market. Um, yeah. So they do get a little bit more money on that front, but they're also willing to spend. So, um, you know, who knows what, who knows what the Padres are going to be in the few couple of years. Um, but, uh, and I, you know, the MLB in the MLB and the players association was supposed to agree to some sort of MLB, MLB international draft in the future to kind of, um, eliminate some of the, uh, some of the issues with, they have with, uh, the draft, um, and try to make it a little bit more fair for everyone, but I don't think they really came to any sort of agreement. So we're going to kind of have this system of the bonus pool money for the next couple of years, which seems to benefit the Mariners in some capacity because we get more money to spend than other teams because of our market size and our revenue, et cetera there. So um, yeah, it's a good way for us to kind of build that farm system. Like you said. Yep. 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 Um, <clears throat> on the note that you, you mentioned earlier that um, you, 
Baseball America brought their prospect list up. Um, you sent me a message this morning saying that they released their 2026 projected lineups for the Mariners. And I thought I was tripping out this morning. Like my text back was 2026 question mark. Like I was confused, but um, is this something they do every year where they project a couple years into the future with teams or is this something new that you've seen from baseball America? Yeah, they do like to project. It's, it's more based around, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not going to predict like what trades a team is going to make. So it's really not, you know, yeah, they're saying like, you know, if the farm system grows like it has and the players that are there also, you know, hit major leagues, um, mm-hmm. this is kind of what the lineup is potentially going to look like. Um, and, uh, you know, we can kind of run through it, but it's kind of the, some of the similar names. I think the ones that are a little interesting um, and it ties in, this is going to tie in a little bit to what we want to, you know, we're going to talk about just kind of a pulse check, kind of what we feel like the team is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think the interesting ones are, um, Harry Ford, they have playing third base. Um, I think that one kind of stuck out to me. Um, and then they have, uh, they do have Jared Kalenic in left field. So I want your, I'll want your thoughts on that one. And that's going to especially tie into, um, just our pulse check and how the team's feeling. But, uh, they did have Cole Young at second base, still at JP at shortstop, um, Julio in center, Gabriel Gonzalez in right. Um, mm-hmm. with Ty France still playing first and Cal Raleigh playing catcher. Um, but yeah, the, the Harry Ford one stuck out to me because, um, we don't really know. I mean, he only played DH and catcher last year, so we don't really know his willingness to go play another position, but, um, Mm. he's pretty versatile. So, um, it'll be curious to kind of see where they go there, but yeah, go ahead. He's, he's got speed too. That I think he'd be the fastest third baseman in the league if he stuck him at third base. I don't know with Harry. I, I kind of hope just for longevity's sake that he gets switched to the outfield. Like, you know, they have Gabriel Gonzalez in right field. Like I could certainly see Harry Ford being our right fielder in 2026. Um, you know, probably, probably going to be pretty good defensively, you know, especially with his, his speed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty solid list. Um, clinic. <laughs> that's, I mean, I know you can't predict, they don't predict trades, but that's just kind of, it's kind of funny to me. I don't know. I just, I hope he, you know what? Once we get to our pull check, I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts. I, I'm rooting for the guy this year. I want him to bounce back. I want him to be the top, you know, the guy that we traded for. I don't mm-hmm. want to say the Mets won that trade yet. I really don't. But um, other than that, that I, look at the starters and I kind of had a brain fart earlier because the starters are Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert Ray, and then they have Bryce Miller. Um, I was trying to, I was trying to think, I was like, uh, wait, who's our fifth starter right now? And that's kind of up in the air. So that's why I was, I was freaking out. I'm like, who's he replacing? You know, we, we still don't know who's going to be our fifth starter. It could potentially be Emerson Hancock. You never know, but, um, yeah, very solid list. It's kind of cool that they do this too. Yeah, no, I really like it. And then they also kind of graded out um, who they think has the best tools in the system mm-hmm. and um, some of the best like change-ups control in the system. And it's interesting that they have best defensive catcher as Harry Ford um, because 
obviously they kind of put him as playing more positions than that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they have, um, Laz Montes is like the best power hitter in the system. Um, none of this obviously includes felon Celestine or anything like that yet, but, um, best hitter for average is Cole young. And they had Cole young playing second base, um, for the Mariners in that 2026 lineup. Mm. Um, so that was a little curious. I think Cole young, I I'm really high on Cole young, just given his small sample size that he had last year of his offense. But, um, I don't know. I really like his chances of, um, it was just a stack class and, the stacked it was a stacked international class and a stacked MLB class in 2022. And I think Cole Young is going to be kind of part of that. So um, anyways, uh, it's really interesting stuff. Um, I uh, will see kind of how it all shakes out. And um, I really like the kind of the exercise of looking at kind of who they had as the best tools and the best projected lineup there for 2026. Um, and it seems not that different from now. So it must mean we're doing something right. So yeah. um, interesting to see. I'm looking at this list right now. Harry Ford's on it a couple times. Best strike zone discipline, best athlete, and best defensive catcher. Fastest base runner, though, Jonathan Class A. So, um, you know, interesting list to look at. The one thing that I saw here, the best defensive outfielder, Cade Marlowe. You think Marlowe makes the team? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about – I mean, in the future we're going to have – you know, our spring training coverage and our spring training probably predictions of some sort and everything else. Um, does he make the team? That's a little bit of a tough one with, I'm trying to think who he's going to battle with. He's going to battle with, um, I think primarily Taylor Trammell, um, for a spot out the outfield. Um, I think Sam Haggerty probably has a spot on the team for sure. Um, Dylan Moore has a spot on the team. Um, so probably going to battle with Taylor Trammell. Um, I kind of would be interested to see what, what we can get out of Cade Marlowe. Um, because I, I, I'm a little pessimistic about Taylor Trammell's, um, future. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I'd be interested to see what we can get out of Cade Marlowe. Um, and I think, uh, that can kind of fit into the, I don't want to say the, uh, the, the carousel that we have in left field, but, um, I also want to see Tay Oscar maybe get a little DH so we can try him out there. Do I think he's going to make the team right now? My gut tells me no, um, but that may change. How do you, I don't know. What do you think? I think he's very intriguing. Um, you know, there's been quite a few articles actually recently come out on Cade. He's kind of putting in the work this, this off season. Um, I think he knows his times probably now, you know, with, with, you know, who you've got in the minor league system, you know, this year's probably the year that he's got to, you know, say, okay, I either need to make the team or I'm going to be stuck in AAA for the rest of my career. So I, I, I feel like he's probably got that breathing down his neck. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly some scenarios, and, you know, we're, we're going to move on to pulse check in a second, um, where left field becomes a uh, black hole where Kelnick and uh, T-Tram's career dies. And that could mean potentially Cade Marlowe stepping up and, and getting a shot. So, um, yeah, it, it's just a waiting game. And I, I feel like as we get uh, closer to spring training, we're going to we're gonna probably be able to see a little bit more on, um, you know, 
him and and kind of everyone else in that outfield uh what we could what we could be potentially seeing next season um in terms of who's playing where so yeah yep um yeah i don't know we'll see um i like Cade marlow a lot so i'd be curious to see what we got and he also gives up a defensive upgrade which i think is something we we very well might need as well um absolutely well but yeah let's we, uh we, we keep yeah we keep touching on it we keep touching on on you know next season and stuff and we call it pulse check you know how we're feeling mm-hmm. um you know let's just start off with the with the big question how are we uh how are we feeling right now about this team well well i should just pose that to you bo how are you feeling about this offseason and, and the current state and shape of our team so isolated to the Mariners themselves, um, I'm feeling pretty good about the team. I think that, um, uh, you know me, I'm a projections guy. I, I need something to stick my mind to. And when I go to the projections, you think about like wins above replacement somewhere around twos, like an average number, maybe a little bit above two. And like, if you go to the Mariners, they're projected over that right and a number of positions um you know catcher Kyle raleigh has a very favorable projection ty france is a nice projection colton wong has a projection over that kind of average so does jp so this is all going to say like i think we are relatively solid in a number of different places i think we are a good team um uh, I think we are a good, solid team. We don't have a whole lot of holes right now. I think we try to address some of that with AJ Pollock. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe my how I'm feeling might be like um, more focused on the other teams that have kind of caught up to the Mariners, right? The Rangers, the Angels, the Twins. I feel like some of these teams have taken very good steps to, I want to say, infringe on the Mariners' playoff spots or playoff t- hopes there. That's kind of where I'm going with that, but the team itself, I'm feeling very confident in it. Um, I think there's, uh, I really love our rotation. Um, I really, I really love the rotation with, um, Luis Logan, George Kirby and Robbie Ray. And then, you know, maybe some version of Chris Flexen or Marco or Matt Brash in the five spot. But, Mm -hmm. um, I really like the rotation right now. Um, yeah, the bullpen also as well. I think, um, we can. I think we're still probably missing a lefty arm in the bullpen. I know we have Gabe Spire and Brendan Bernardino in Tacoma, and I rem- and looking back now and remembering, I think the Mariners did go without a lefty reliever for quite a bit of time last year. Yeah. Um. So maybe I'm a little less worried about the bullpen side just because of that, but I'm feeling great about the Mariners. Isolated to the Mariners, I'm feeling great about the team. I think we still have plenty of upside. Um. I think it may be everything. The other teams around Mariners, the around the Mariners, that I'm starting to get a little nervous about that they've taken some good steps to kind of get closer to them. But how do you feel? How do you feel about all that? If I, you brought up the rotation. I, I honestly believe we have the best rotation in the AL West. Um, and, and we're probably knocking on the door of having the best rotation in the entire AL. Um, you know, just isolating to the AL West for a second. Um, you look at the rotations, and yes, the Rangers made big money moves, but um, I don't think you could put them as the top 
the top rotation because I don't you could have a word with you know Degrom's availability and you know staying healthy and stuff like that. Angels, I mean, yeah, they got Tyler Anderson, um, but I mean they they're probably the third or fourth best rotation in the AL West. You know, Shohei can only take them so far. Um, and the the Astros took a step back um, with the uh, loss of Justin Verlander. So I, I really think, you know, with, with going forward with Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, and Ray, I, I think that's, you know, one of the best, if not the best, one through four starter in the, in the league. Um, you know, it's just, it's all going to come down to, um, I think two things in my mind in it being, you know, our offense, can our offense score us enough runs? Because when this team can hit or when the team hits, they can hit and put up runs. But, you know, there's a couple times last year where um, we went through some stretches where I felt like we were having a little bit of trouble scoring runs. And it was kind of the, the, you know, old Mariners, you know, oh, you, hopefully we've got our best pitching tonight because we're only giving, you know, the pitchers one run, the old Felix Hernandez treatment, you know. So, I, you know, I, I think this season is going to come down to the offense. And then um, I think the bullpen, um, you know, we got to watch out for the bullpen every season. I feel like we, we talk about the bullpen every season um, just because, you know, Jerry likes to – bring in reclamation projects and stuff like that. And, and he's got a good track record with that, but um, you know, you, you always in the back of your mind have that question. Is this the year that the bullpen kind of goes downhill? Cause you really never know, you know, the, the reliever aspect of the MLB is so volatile. You know, there's, there's never really a guy you can plug in and go, okay, he's going to be consistent throughout his entire career. Cause usually it's a, it's a roller coaster type thing. You know, they have a couple good seasons and then their ERA inflates to five. You know, that's, I mean, look at our all time team from last week, our all time Mariners team. We had trouble with relievers because some of our best relievers only spent two or three seasons with us, you know, or, right. or only had two or three good seasons. So realistically, I'm, I'm excited for next season and, and I think we're going to do great. At, at very minimum, I'm hoping number two in the AL West, but that's all going to be dependent on our offense scoring us runs and our bullpen holding up like they have the last two seasons. Yeah, and I, on that note, I was thinking about I was thinking about the bullpen, and you talked about the volatility there, and I think in a later episode we're going to talk about some of the major downsides or some of the pitfalls we see with this team. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering about a guy like Paul Seawald, right? Um, had some struggles in the playoffs. Um, and I, I, I think he's penciled in as the closer right now, quote unquote closer. Um, yeah. And I, I do wonder about that. So I think you're, I think your discussion about the bullpen is a very good one. And it makes mm-hmm. me, it makes me wonder um, cause I, I kind of thought Matt Brash was going to get a good chance at um, was going to get a good, another chance at starting coming into this off season, but it seems like they've, how do you feel? Do you feel like they've transitioned more into talk about Matt Brash being like a reliever? Cause that, that's the way it kind of appears to me is that they've kind of transitioned Matt Brash from that 
maybe that fifth starter to like, yeah, we want to try him. We want to keep him in the bullpen. Do you kind of feel that same way about him? Um, I feel that way. Um, I don't know. I was, I haven't been seeing a lot of talks about Matt Brash from other outlets, but I feel like we should just move on and not move on, but um, move him to the bullpen currently and, and keep him there. Um, because if a guy like Paul Seawald starts to fail, I mean, last season, so two seasons ago, one of our best pitchers was Drew Steckenrider. You know, mm-hmm. it was him and Seawald. And the Mariners had no problem last season after Steckenrider had a very not good start to the season. They just DFA'd him. Like, you yeah. know, thanks for your time. You're gone. You know, and that's something, you know, I, I feel like Jerry's just looking at it like next man up. And I feel like we can get a little stability, you know, if if we look at Matt Brash as a reliever, you know, maybe not the closer. You, you said Seawald's the closer. I think it's going to be Munoz myself. But, um, you know, Brash could definitely be that guy that gives you two, three innings that, you know, take the old Paul Seawald spot. Two or three innings maybe, but you're coming in anywhere from the fifth to the, the ninth. You know, it's wherever we need you. Um, I, I think we should transition into that because, honestly, at best right now, Matt Brash is slotted into the five spot, and I think we've got better. I think he's a greater need in the bullpen. I think we have better options at five with even if we go with Marco or Flexen or bring up Hancock, um, you know, I, I I don't think it's sustainable for, for Brash to be in the rotation right now. I think we keep him in the bullpen. And, and, you know, who knows, he, he could end up being the closer by the, by years in, you know, again, it's so volatile. Munoz throws a hundred miles an hour could, you know, not, you know, lose all the control that he has, you know, Seawald could, he only throws mid nineties, low to mid nineties. Like he could start getting schlacked and, and we could see him gone. So, you know, there's so many, you know, almost devil devil's advocate type things you could look at and be like, well, what's what happens if we do this? You know, it's there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of questions I should just say with, with that bullpen. So, yeah. And it, it's a, it's a good call out and uh, it's a good call out about the starting pitching as well. I was thinking about, you know, Hancock and some of the other guys we just touched on um, Bryce Miller. Um, mm-hmm. There's other guys like Prelander Baroa. So, we do have a little bit of depth on the starting pitching side, which makes, I think makes sense that Matt Brash is probably transitioning more into um, a reliever type role. And honestly, that's my, that's my, that's my top memories of Matt Brash is in the playoffs, just those big outs that he had against the, against the Astros. So mm-hmm. um, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think the bullpen still a little bit of question, but always going to be a little bit of question coming into the season. I think as you've just noted there, um, mm-hmm. But I think where I might go with this and we can talk about the guy that we were talking about before. Um, Do you, how do you, it kind of seems like to me that we're going to need to like get another bat, another big bat or another big, or somebody's going to have to have a breakout in order for this team to kind of take it to, I almost want to say, take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, we've talked about him before. We can continue to talk about him. We can move on if you don't want to talk about him, but like, if we are, if is it foolish to kind of wait on a Jared Kalinick breakout 
or is it, I mean, it seems like we are, if we get a Jenner clinic breakout, we are, we are, we are really moving and grooving. Like this team is, you know, I think getting taken it to that next level. But um, I also think there's a very realistic probability that he's just a platoon guy with AJ Pollock. And that's just, that's just the future of the position. So let's have a, let's have a Jared Kalenic talk. Where do you think, I guess, you know, what are you thinking about him right now? And um, you know, is it even, should we, are we just kind of setting ourselves up to fail if we hope that he's going to break out? I don't think we're setting ourselves up to fail, but I do think this is his last season in a Mariners uniform. If it doesn't go right for him, I think this is his, this is his last year to, to put up or shut up. You know, he needs to show not just, you know, management, um, but kind of the fans that he wants to be here and that, you know, he he has the right attitude for it um you know one thing we noted in one of our previous episodes and maybe we've talked about it me and you personally but um when clinic is up to bat and and you watch his mannerisms he's very uh, it's almost hot-headed you know like nothing goes his way and he you know there's times we saw him throw the bat or he gets a strike three Carl and he's arguing with the ump, you know, when, when really it's like, you know, you, you can at least avoid that if you're swinging the bat, you know? So like, like he needs to stop expecting things to go his way and he needs to do something about it. You know, he needs to go up and, and swing the bat and, and, you know, really show, you know, really put it back on himself. Like if I want something to happen, I myself need to make this happen, you know, and, and whether that be him just changing his attitude or just becoming a better ball player, I don't know, but I, I truly feel like this is put up or shut up season. And, you know, he, he's gone after next season. If he doesn't, if he doesn't put up, he can honestly be gone at the trade deadline. If, if, you know, the first half of the season doesn't go well, you know, like this is, this is this time to show, hey, you know, I wanted that big contract two years ago. Like, I'm worth it, you know. And it's really, right now it really looks good on Jerry's front that they didn't offer him that contract. But I want them to be proven wrong. I want him to be a Mariner, and I want him to break out. Like, like I want him to personally. Yeah, I mean, we're all rooting for it, I feel like. Um, we're not obviously not going to root against it. Cause like I said, I just, I looking at the lineup, looking at how close we are, just another big bat, a bat that hits, you know, 35 home runs a year bats, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't even have to bat that high, but that's like two forty. Um, like that just, I feel like that would be such a, exactly what the Mariners need. And it's just, it feels like it's right there with him at some points. And then it seems like he's just completely lost on other um, approaches and other at bats. Um, And, you know, one can hope that he's only 23 still um, that maybe he figures it out. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I think you're right. I think his, I think his trade value, if the Mariners are going to trade him, they're going to have to do it at the deadline. Cause I think that if he continues to struggle, like he has, he's just honestly not going to have a ton of value. Um, 
ton of value after that time. Um, yep. Yep. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll predict in the future if the Mariners, I, I think this Mariners team is probably primed to go get some sort of bat this year. Mm-hmm. Um, some sort of, you know, left field, right field bat of some sort. I don't really know. I don't really know who that's going to be yet, um, but I think they are primed to do it. Um, and if it doesn't all work out with Jared Kalenic, so we'll see. Um, I, uh, I'm rooting for him very heavily and I think it's, uh, we've all seen what Julio's capable now of and, uh, now capable of, and I think we're all kind of rooting that Jared is not going to achieve that much, but at least get some semblance of his top prospect statics back. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, 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 I hope Julio has lit a fire under his butt. Yeah. I hope, I want him to look at Julio and be like, that's where I should be. And, and try to strive towards that. And again, like I said earlier, I really don't want to say the Mets won that trade, mm. but if Jared doesn't pan out, they did because there's no one else from that, that trade that's still on the team. Right. You know? So, and they've got, Eddie, the Mets have Eddie Diaz, who, you know, and whoever or however you look at it is one of the best relievers in the league, if not the best currently. But, um, yeah, I'm rooting for the guy. I want him. I want him to be that guy. Um, our, our, the other question I have, you know, we're, we're, depending on who you talk about or talk to um, Mariners, either didn't make a lot of moves, enough moves, or they made a significant amount of moves that, you know, moved the needle a little bit. Um, Do you think we're done filling holes? You know, what, what, what do you think this is uh, for the rest of this off season? Do you think we're done? So my, I think we're done. I I think we're, I think we're going to start seeing, you know, we saw the Colin Moran, we saw Mike Ford. I think we're going to see probably some other, minor capacity like minor moves where we bring in guys just on minor league deals and try to give them some chance at uh at spring training um but i think we're i think we're mostly done i think it's pretty much winding down um i wouldn't i'm always you know never surprised if jerry can make some sort of trade and i think we talked about the twins and they're still on the hunt for some semblance of starting pitching so maybe there's still a chance of them swinging a trade of some sort. Um, so I would still say that's somewhat of a option. There's some probability that maybe that happens, but um, I think for the most part, for the, for the, for the major moves, I think this team is kind of where they're at right now. Um, maybe with plus or minus a, a minor league transaction for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I was just thinking about, you know, how are we feeling about the post? How are we feeling about the off season? And um I just hope that we look back at this and we don't think that we like stumbled an opportunity to really add to this team. You know, I think we made some smart moves. I think we, you know, added Tay Oscar, we added, um, we added Colton Wong. So I think we made some, we made some smart acquisitions. Um, but I just hope that we don't look back and, you know, I think, I think we're inevitably going to look back at some way and say like, Oh, I wish we were more competitive on, um, Andrew Benintendi, or I wish we were more competitive on um, uh, Brandon Nimmo, or you know, even one of the shortstops. Right? I, I, I know I'm what just... you're gonna. I know what you're gonna say after next season. I really wish we still had Jesse Winker. 
<laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's all that's all possible, but uh, I don't know. We'll see how he we'll see how he shakes out in um, in Milwaukee. But I mean, that's possible. I guess my I guess more my thinking through thinks through like free agency because it seems like there was just an easy opportunity to add a couple guys here. Uh, easy from our perspective, obviously, but um, I'm just wondering if we if we had an opportunity to really kind of big take a big step forward and we didn't really take it on i guess that's what i'm trying to say um however i also see the other side where maybe you know some of these guys who were really risky and maybe we're maybe we're coming out at the other end of the season saying hey i'm glad we didn't you know spend money on uh xander bogarts or i'm glad we didn't go spend money on um carlos correa carlos correa yeah (laughs) so i mean there's it's always that kind of the Jekyll and the high, the two sides of things. Right. So, um, yeah. I just wonder, I just, I, th- I think, uh, just in retrospect, it seems like we had a good opportunity and kind of where I'm thinking right now is, um, I'm fine with the team. I just, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that at the end of the season, we didn't squander an opportunity to really take the next step with this team with some sort of signing. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of see that too, but on, on the other hand, like for me, I, I want to see how this team shakes out. So, Really, the only thing left that I really want to see happen before we get into spring training is the Mariners going to sign a left-handed reliever, and then I will be happy. Um, I, I I don't think we can go the whole next season without a lefty. I mean, I know we got Gabe Spire, Justice Sheffield, Brandon Bernardino, and potentially Marco to go out in the bullpen, but give me, give me Andrew Chafin and just – Make me happy, please. Make me as a Mariners fan happy. Dang it! So, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if they strike anything else there. But uh, no, I, uh, I mean, on the whole, feeling productive about the team. Feeling like it was a productive off season, and um, yeah, no, I'm uh, I couldn't be more excited for spring training for a couple of the guys that we have, the team that mm-hmm. we put together, and uh, just ready for baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? You know who I want? Our oldest Chapman. Go sign him, Jerry. Go sign him. I don't care if he can't throw 104 anymore. He can still throw 97. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we head out of here, Bo, I, you, you told me before the start of the show you have a trivia question for me. Um, I am super excited. You know I love trivia, but you think you stumped me. And I don't think you're going to stump me. Okay. This trivia question is a little, I'll just say it's a little different. So it's a little different. Okay. Um, and uh, I took this question from the Effectively Wild podcast with uh, Ben Lindbergh and Meg Growley. Um, but they had, a, they had a list of players that have only played one position. And all their innings of baseball that they played in major league baseball, they only played one position. Okay. okay. So, and they could have played DH. So I guess I should add that. So they could have played DH at some time. So, um, at the very top of this list, um, is Derek Jeter, right? So Derek Jeter has the most innings played gross at one position, but also played designated hitter. So Derek Jeter essentially never played anything else other than shortstop. So it's a little wild. Derek Jeter's um, a banned word on here. I'm sorry. Well, we'll just call him DJ. How's that sound? Okay. Um, 
but uh so like give it some context so like Luis Aparicio and Ozzy Smith um that's a funny stat point so Lucas Luis Aparicio and Ozzy Smith actually only ever played shortstop they didn't DH at all so yeah. um if you want to take those guys as the true holder over Derek Jeter you're you're welcome to do that but mm-hmm. um so I took the list and I filtered it down um and I'll give you I'll give you two options here I'll give you two options so on this list, right? So you have Derek Jeter, you have Louis Casabricio, Ozzy Smith. Okay, you have to give me the next person on this list that played as a Seattle Mariner. Okay. Okay. So they had to have played one position throughout all their career. They could have played DH, right? But they were a Seattle Mariner at some point. Okay. Okay. And then if you get them, if you miss that one, then we'll go to they've only played for the Seattle Mariners. We'll go to that one. So. Okay. Um, so why don't you give me a shot? I'll give you some other names on this list to kind of get your mind working here. So like Fred McGriff only ever played first base and DH, okay. but he played it for six different teams. Scott Rowland only ever played third base. Scott Rowland never played actually DH. So, um, good point there. But who do you think is the next person on this list? Next person right behind Scott Rowland that played for the Seattle Mariners at some point in his career. I'll give you uh, hints as we go along. Uh, can you give me a decade? Uh, he was active between 1989 and 2005. David Bell. It is not David Bell. <laughs> I, I don't know why he was the first one that came that came to mind. 89 and 2005. Would it be Edgar? Like, does he count? I thought he had some first base, but third and DH would would have been. Where he played. Um, it is not Edgar, so I'm guessing Edgar played. I'm trying to remember where else where else Edgar played, so it's not Edgar. Yeah, okay. Okay. But you said he only he spent some time in the Mariners and other organizations. So yes, he played for five other teams. Five other teams. Dang, that is actually quite a bit. Um We did talk about him last week. In our Mariner episode. So was it? Was it? No, he didn't play for five teams. He played for three. No. Was he? Was he a second baseman? It is not a second baseman. Oh, okay. And we talked about him, Johnny O, John Olrude. That's correct. Well done. Well that, done. Well that, done. There we go. Oh, well man. done. Yes, John Oliver played. Uh, this says seventeen thousand innings in first base and designated hitter. So all John with Oliver. a catcher's helmet on his head. All with the catcher's helmet on his head. Yes. Um, okay, okay, you get bonus points. This one's a, this one's a tough one. This one's a really really tough one. So you get bonus points if you can give me the player that's only ever played for the Seattle Mariners. He's only played for the Seattle Mariners, but leads this list. So he could have been a DH, but he only played at one position, but he only ever played at the Seattle Mariners. This is a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, Decade, please. 2000. Well, he only, so Mariners remember don't have a big history here, so it's less time frame. So it's 2006 to 2009 was when he was on the Mariners. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, oh, God. 
Jesus Montero. I don't know. You're you're on the right path. You're on the right path. Uh, in terms uh, of position. Kenji Jojima. Kenji Jojima is correct. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Yes. Kenji Jojima leads this list. Um yeah, the other the inter- interesting snap so another interesting point to take from this is that Cal Raleigh and Julio Rodriguez are second and third on this list. So they've only played wow. they've only played in catcher and center field. So and who, field, who else so. what what other mariners were on this list? Sure. So let's see. Um I believe yes, Tino Martinez is on this list. Tino Martinez okay. is Tino Martinez is eighteenth on this list. Okay. Um, Wally Pip is on this list, so interesting note there. Not a Mariner, but just uh, interesting note. And then let me see who else is on this list. Um, sorry, it's got all the teams like in a in a like a comma list here. So, mm-hmm. um, it's got yes, John Allrood, Tina Martinez, Justin Smoke is actually on this list. Interesting point. Um, real okay. Let's see. Alvin Davis is on this list. I, I actually, he was going to be my guess um, for only Mariners. Yep. And then you got to, and then it kind of, then it kind of gets a little odd. Casey Kochman is on this list next. And then Mike Zanino. So there you go. Casey Kochman. Yep. Forgotten Mariner, former Indian. Yep. yep. All right. Well, that was a awesome. Good, that was a good trivia question. I like those ones. Those are thinkers. Um, Dang. Come back next year next week with another one, please. Well do. These are well these do. are fun. <laughs> Anyways, uh any more pardon words before we get out of here? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Have a have a good week, man. And uh no looking uh looking for maybe more baseball news, but if not, then getting ready for spring training. So we, you know, if we don't have baseball news, we certainly have wrestling news to to rely on so or or seattle kraken news you know or you know well not anymore but seattle seahawks news but (sighs) i was hoping i was coming over next month and it would be a party because the seahawks made the super bowl but i digress Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) for all our listeners in the puget sound pacific northwest and beyond Thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. We will be back next week and we will be talking about who knows, probably a schedule preview. Um, actually, next week is if it all goes wrong. So next week we're going to be playing a little devil's advocate. You know, if if things go wrong, what happens? So. Make sure you guys tune in, and we'll have a little bit of fun next week. And, uh, yeah, so for Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we will see you guys next week on the Forkstown Podcast.